You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. Politics answers the question of who gets what. So so Jesus was not a a religious figure as much as he was a political one. He he didn't fundamentally challenge his Jewish religion. Jesus' teaching centered the poor and, and gave them the entire kingdom. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 247 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of survival, resistance, liberation, reparation, and transformation. Our title this week is Pyramids, Circles, and a Shared Table, Jesus's Vision for Human Community. And this is part one of of a a two-part parts. And uh, our feature text is Luke 6, 20 through 26. Looking at his disciples, he said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But Woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. The domination structure of Jesus' society was similar to ours today. Its structure was a, a combination of, of two two-dimensional shapes, a triangle and a circle. Let's let's talk about the circle aspect first. Circles have an inside and they have an outside. And societies that are shaped in the form of a circle, they can have a, a strongly defined border that, that distinguishes between insiders and outsiders. They, they can also have certain tests to decide who's in and who's out. And societal circles, they can also have people whose job it is to patrol that border and to make sure that that no one from the outside is included and everyone knows um, when when someone who is previously an insider uh, no longer should be. And control for, for circular social structures, it typically rests in the center of that circle. The more one adheres to uh, the rules and the identity of the circle, uh, the closer one is to the center. And the, and the more someone varies, uh, the, the more they are pushed to the, to the margins of that circle. Even within the circle, um, among those who are insiders, uh, some people find themselves somewhere between the center uh, of that circle and, and those edges. And let's talk about the triangle too. The circle and the triangle are hierarchical structures. Triangular societies have a, a top that's comprised of a few few elites and a base that's composed of of the majority. And in triangles that practice domination and control, the closer one is to the top, the more power, privilege, control, and ability to dominate uh, dominate others, um, those at the top possess. And and, and your, your social location in the triangle determines the level to which you experience um, the, certain privileges. And you can find yourself closer to the top in some areas of your life, but closer to the bottom of the triangle in others. And the triangle it typically is structured to benefit those 
at the top, at the expense or or the exploitation of, of those at the bottom. And what happens when we combine both the circle and the triangle? The combination of, of these two ways of structuring human society is a cone. If you can picture a cone with me this week, within, within this cone, the closer one is to the center, the closer one also is to the top. It works um, in a three-dimensional fashion. The more one is marginalized or pushed to the edges, um, the more one finds themselves at the bottom uh, of their society as well. So, so this hybrid of the circle and the triangle shapes, the, the, the cone, it, it, it's the shape of the society that Jesus lived in in the first century. It's also the shape of, of many of our religious and civil societies today. Luke's version of the Jesus story states that in, in the story, Jesus states that people, uh, that his societal structure had made poor or had made hungry or whom the structure caused to weep, they would be specifically blessed by his vision for transforming human society. Jesus wasn't saying, and I want to be clear about this, he wasn't saying that it's a blessing to be on the margins or or the bottom of society. He was saying that if you are on the margins, you who his, his, you're the ones that his gospel is especially for, you're going to be especially blessed by his vision for, for human society. And as we discussed in, in a couple weeks ago in directed good news, those on the margins in Jesus's society, um, they heard his gospel as, as good news. This was good news uh, to those that were on the margins and on the bottom uh, of their society. Matthew's version of the Jesus story backs this up too. And as we discussed last month in a preferential option for the vulnerable, um, the people the system had left too broken or impoverished in their spirit to keep trying. They were the poor in spirit. Uh, those whom the system had just steamrolled over, those who 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 were meek or those who, who hungered and thirsted for the world to be put right or for justice, these are the ones... Uh, uh, Jesus's vision for humanity was especially targeted at. You can find this in, in Matthew 3, 5, 3, uh, Luke 1, 80, Matthew 5, 5, and Matthew 5, 6. The, these are the ones who had, had been labeled as sinners by those at the top or the center of their society. And, 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 and who, because of that labeling, because of being called a sinner or defined as a sinner, they'd been pushed to the edges or the undersides of their community. These were the ones that were were drawn uh, to the hope for change that that they heard in Jesus's gospel. In Luke 15, one through two, notice it says, now the tax collectors and sinners, and, and this isn't talking about those that are ontologically sinners, it's talking about those that are had been labeled uh, as, as sinners. They were gathering all around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and 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 eats with them. And think about it, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law in this context were those at the top or the center of, or closer to the top or closer to the center. They weren't exactly at the top. Um, that would have been the, the Sadducees, but they were closer to the top and closer to the center. And then they were, um, 
they were offended. They well, offended might not be the right word. They were um, confronted uh, by Jesus's welcome of of the very ones they had pushed to the bottom and to the margins or the edges of their society. The term sinners again, it's not a universal term here. It's used pejoratively. It's used to push to the margins or to the bottom of the uh, push people to the bottom of the cone. It was a a label that those in power used to other. Uh, people. And Jesus's vision for human community, his shared table, it specifically included those that his cone-shaped society that he belonged to that they had excluded. It also had an economic component to it. Consider the, the reversal of the economic exploitation and the reparation that was found in Luke's story of an oppressor named Zacchaeus who embraced Jesus's teachings. And in Luke 19, 7 through it says all the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possession to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus's shared table, it, it, it required those at the top or at the center of their societal cone to pay reparations to those whom they had exploited previously and pushed down. And tax collectors, this, they were an interesting hybrid. They were economically part of the elite, but socially and politically within Jesus's culture, uh, they were pushed to the outside and labeled as, as sinners because of their occupational cooperation with the empire that was subjugating Judea and Galilee. And, 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 and so, so, so they were a hybrid. They, they were a combination. In one area of their life, they were elites. They were wealthy. In another area of their life, uh, they they were on the edges. They were marginalized and pushed aside, and and they were they were privileged again in certain areas of their lives, but they were they were marginalized in, in others. Now Jesus's shared table not only had an economic component. It was also political. And when I use the term political, I don't mean partisan. Pol politics uh, it means related to the, 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 the Greek polis. Uh, it's, 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 the, it's the members of a community. And where whenever you have two or more people doing life together, even if it's just two people, you have politics. Politics answers the question of who gets what. So, so Jesus was not a religious figure as much as he was a political one. He, he didn't fundamentally challenge his Jewish religion, at least um, uh, 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 not much more than than his predecessor Hillel did. I mean, he maybe he could have challenged. He, maybe he challenged it, and that's one way to view it. But but not any more than than Hillel did previous to him. And he did challenge the Jewish elites of his time much more than Hillel did. Hillel was part of that elite system, um, and Jesus challenged the elites. And as we've discussed before, H Hillel made concessions like the prosbol that that. That centered the wealthy while endeavoring to take care of the poor. Jesus's teaching centered the poor and and gave them the entire kingdom. Um, um, Jesus's teachings, like I said, they 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 were political. Recently, while while chatting with a friend, I bumped into. It's something that I often hear. It's an often repeated misconception of how things worked in Jesus' society. My friend claimed that Jesus never challenged the Roman civil government, but only challenged the religious.
religious establishment of Judea. And, and my friend went on to state that Jesus' followers, they should ignore the state and simply focus on bringing about religious reform within their own traditions. And th- this is far from how Jewish society actually functioned in in the in the first century. Today, our culture it believes in it believes that church and state should be separated. But but, but Jesus's society they didn't have those distinctions. And my, my friend claimed that Jesus was only focusing on impacting the religious views of his community, especially as they related to the temple. But but this isn't true. It's simply not true when you look at the historical facts. First, the temple was not solely religious. It was not merely the center of of the Jewish, uh, quote-unquote, church or or religious system. The the, the temple was the the center of the Jewish state. It was political. It was economic. The the, the priests and the Sanhedrin were civil authorities, not only religious ones. And and in first century Judea, there wasn't a separation between the church and state or or religious and civil duty as we understand them today. The the Torah governed both. Um, The Torah um, didn't make a distinction between these two different areas of our life. It was just life, both religious and political. And the temple received taxes that that, that, that the temple was to redistribute to the poor. That, that was the economic and political component. And that's why the temple functioned even as a, a central banking system, if you can think of it uh, that way, through which money lenders actually lent their monies through the temple to those who who, who uh, were making those loans when, when, when the, or, or requesting those loans. When, when the poor took over the temple in in the 60s, 60 CE, the very first thing they did was to burn the debt ledgers of the temple, which which until then, it recorded, again, all the loans. So by storming the temple, they forced a political and economic change, not a religious change. They forced a political and economic change, a kind of a year of jubilee or a forgiveness of, of all debts. And secondly, Jesus was a Jewish laborer. He was not a Roman citizen. And this is important. He didn't have access to Rome to protest for change. He didn't have a voice in Rome, but he did have access to his own state authority, which was the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, and, and note that even this distinction between the temple and Rome, that's not completely accurate either. Rome governed Judea through the temple. Rome determined who would be the high priest each year, and it was the, the temple that funneled uh, collected tribute back Back to Rome, the, the Jewish aristocracy, it gained privilege and power by cooperating with Rome. And Rome received a degree of control over Judea by using the temple state in, in Jerusalem. So when Jesus overturned the tables in the, in the temple state that day, it was not only a religious protest, it was a political protest as well. It was an economic protest. Jesus staged his demonstration in Mark 11 in the temple with the money changers in solidarity with and on behalf of the poor who were being economically exploited and politically shut out by the temple state. Jesus was indicting both Rome and his own state in that act. And this is why his execution, too, in response to his temple demonstration, it was at the hand of Rome. It was on a Roman 
cross. Ched Myers uh, confirms this in his commentary on the book of Mark. He, he notes the, the deep implications for all those who choose to follow this political Jesus. This is in his book, Binding the Strong Man, a political reading of Mark's story of Jesus, page 247. Jesus has revealed that his messiahship means political confrontation with, not rehabilitation of, the, the imperial state. Those who wish to come after him will have to identify themselves with his subversive program. The state or the stated risk is that the disciple will face the test of loyalty under interrogation by the state authorities. Remember in Mark, they will bring you before the courts. So when answering the question of, of who should get what, Jesus stated in his vision for, for human society, he stated his political views. In Luke 12, 32 through 34, he writes, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide per Purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no, no thief comes near, no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, and think about it as being in people rather than in profit, he says, there your heart will be also. So the poor, the, the marginalized, the pushed down, these were those to whom Jesus's political views were good news. They were gospel. And what, what he taught them was the gospel of hope. And Gustavo Gutierrez, he accurately reminds us that, that this hope is, is more than a, a forward expectation of charity. They weren't just looking for a handout. This hope is for the creation of an entirely different social order. He writes in his uh, works, uh, Liberation, Praxis, and Christian Faith, page 14, Gustavo Gutierrez writes, love of neighbor is an essential component of Christian life. But as long as I apply that term only to the people who cross my path and come asking me for my help, my world will remain pretty much the same. Individual almsgiving and social reformism is a type of love that never leaves its own front porch. On the other hand, my world will change greatly if I go out and meet other people on their path and consider them as my neighbor as the Good Samaritan. Did. The gospel tells us that the poor are the supreme embodiment of our neighbor. It is this option that serves as the focus for a new way of being human and Christian in today's Latin America. But the existence of the poor is not neutral on the political level or innocent of ethical implications. Poor people are byproducts of the system under which we live and for which we are responsible. This is why the poverty of the poor is not a summons to alleviate their plight with acts of generosity, but rather a compelling obligation to fashion an entirely different social order. Well, what he's describing is Jesus's vision for humanity where there are no more poor. There are a, 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 a social order that doesn't produce poverty among uh, others and, and for, to the benefit of the few. And when we follow Jesus... Again, we don't build a pyramid, we don't build a circle, we don't build a cone. We build what uh, Jesus modeled, and that's a shared table. Luke 6, 20-22, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Heart group application this week, I want you to go through the synoptic gospel. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I want you to find five of Jesus's political views. Don't look for religious, look for his political views. And then number two, 
what difference does it make to, to see Jesus, not simply as a religious figure, but as a political figure as well? Um, what difference does it make to see Jesus's temple protest, not only as a, a religious protest, but also as a, a political protest uh, of those in power in response to their economic exploitation of the poor or those at the bottom or margins of their society? And then number three, is there a difference between working toward a politic of distributive justice, where everyone is safe and everyone has enough and that there's equity and protection and compassion? And, and is there a difference between that and Christians wanting to co-opt political power, like we see often being done today in the spirit of domination and subjugation to, to legislate their, their moral views and discuss this uh, with your heart group? I am so glad you checked in with us this week, wherever you are. Keep living in love, in survival, and resistance, liberation, reparation, and transformation. We'll be back next week with part two. This is just the foundation for what we'll be discussing uh, uh, next week. I love each one of you dearly. Remember, another world is possible. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.